Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the first in our series on the Psalms. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook, and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. All right, straight up, Psalms. What are they? They are a part of the Bible. Okay. <laughs> they get one book, they get two? Good question. They get a section. Ooh, a section. Five books. Oh, wow. In one section. Okay. So they are located, if you take your average Bible that you find at a bookstore, okay, and you open it up to the middle, you're probably going to land in the Psalms. Oh, that's crazy. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. All right. Are there many of them? There are many of them. They are numbered. So kind of like Shakespearean sonnets okay. are numbered. You have the various numbers of the Psalms. And they are broken then into five different books within the Psalter. So the whole thing, all kitten caboodle, is called the Psalter. Okay. And then you have the different books within the Psalter. So when okay. we're looking at it, book number one is Psalm number one through 41. Book number two is 42 to 72. Book three, 73 to 89. Book four, 90 to 106, and book five is 107 to 150. So there are 150 in total. I'm guessing it's not arbitrary or random how they're broken apart. It totally feels arbitrary and <laughs> random how they are broken apart. Really? Yep. Well, that's silly. <laughs> now, these are in the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. This is a part of the Hebrew history, and Jesus would have grown up with these as part of his scripture. And so when I speak... I am speaking as a Christian pastor who has had some study in this and has done some work on this, but I am not speaking as a Jewish or a Hebrew scholar. So if there is a Jewish or a Hebrew scholar who is listening to this and has all kinds of things to prove me wrong, I am thrilled, can't wait to learn more, and would love to hear from you at podcast at centralportland.org. In fact, you can even come directly onto our Facebook wall and lambast me in public so we can all learn. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Are they still using them in a current Jewish service? Absolutely. Okay. And we use them within our Christian tradition as well. Fabulous. You likened it to a sonnet or at least a book of sonnets? Yes. Are they things like haikus that have a set rhythm and rhyme and meter to them? Good question. So there are different pieces about psalms that have some structure and some rules. So in the same way that a sonnet is written in iambic pentameter and has a certain number of stanzas or that a haiku has a certain, is it five, seven, five that mm -hmm. makes the haiku um, as far as syllables go, the piece about the Psalms is they can be a whole lot of different lengths. They yeah. are written like poetry. They seem a whole lot of different lengths mm -hmm. whenever they show up in service. Totally. So some can be really short, some can be really long. So they aren't set like a prescribed length. They can have different topics, different tones. There's not a set meter in the way that there's a set meter to iambic pentameter and the sonnets. Okay. But in the Hebrew, you might have seen other things that you can't see in the English. Oh, give me for instance. For instance, and we'll cover this more in depth down in our other podcasts because we're going to be talking about this for several weeks. Do you know what an acrostic poem is? I have no idea whatsoever. So an acrostic poem 
is something that uses the first letter oh, of sure. a word, and then you can see the word down the side. So, like, it's a popular one in middle schools and elementary schools using kids' names. Exactly. So, like, Amanda, awesome, mm-hmm. May- musical, musical, alliterative, however you want to write the first word of each has a word down the side. Mm-hmm. So, that's an acrostic poem. So there are acrostic psalms. Really? And so we'll get into that. There's a little teaser for our fifth podcast on this topic. We aren't going to get to that until we get to our fifth one. Hold on to that thought, everybody. That's right. But remember, it'll come back. But there are different ways that you can try to kind of classify or typify these ways that you can encounter the psalms and put them into categories. The piece that I really appreciate about the professor that I had that I took my psalms course from in seminary is he was kind of clear that you can try and contain a psalm as much as you want. You can say, this is a psalm of praise, and that is what it is doing. And there's still going to be an element of something else within it. Okay. So the psalms are like these tricky little awesome things to encounter in that you can totally analyze them and you can tear them apart and you can look at them in a literary fashion and see the grammar behind it and see the purpose and see how it's being used. But all of a sudden it like does something incredibly spiritual in your heart as you encounter it. And it defies being put in a box and it defies being contained within the safe constructs of a page. It's just like any other poetry in that way. You might want to contain poetry on a page with ink, but poetry lives beyond that page. And the Psalms are the same way. They are poetry, and so they expand from any box that we try to put them in to be something much more and much grander. And I think that's part of why they have such incredible staying power in actual faith practice through ah, and centuries. across faith practices, and across, they're still using it in many different faiths. Exactly, right? Because it's poetry, because it invokes emotion, and it invokes reaction, And they speak truth in a way that is not just uh, sometimes nations harm other nations. And that sucks. That's true. But then there's like the truth of the emotion that comes in the fact that war is a part of human existence. And how we encounter that. And how we try to live through that experience. And so the Psalms are stunning. They're beautiful. And I would say that as we step into this, you know, the next six weeks of podcasts are going to be about the Psalter. Mm -hmm. We're taking six episodes to really dig into this a bit. It's a deep dive, everybody. It's a deep dive. And the assignment that my class professor, and this is the one that I taught this as an adult education course Mm -hmm. multiple times throughout my ministry. And The assignment that I was given in my Psalms class, which I thought was stupid and boring and awful, and I chose book number four because it has the fewest number of Psalms. So there's your hint. (laughs) Nice. Um, (laughs) The assignment was to read through an entire book of the Psalms, one right after the other, and keep a journal while you're doing it and to like reflect on them as you read them. And I thought it was a dumb assignment, and I thought that it was just a time suck and busy work and just to prove that I was doing something, and I really didn't appreciate it. And then, like, literally halfway through, because there are 16 in book four, it's Psalm 90 through 106. Okay. And, like, at Psalm 98, 
my brain was blown. <laughs> and my experience of like encountering these and having them begin to dwell in my heart was just astonishing. Is that something wonderful. you talk to other students about, that you were not alone in this experience? No, I've never talked to another student oh, in the class about it. Yeah, that would be a good question if anybody else had a similar experience who took Dr. Lindbergh's class. So if you're listening out there, <laughs> get you, back to us. you took a Psalms class from Dr. Lindbergh, either at PLTS or at Luther Seminary, let me know if he assigned that and if it affected you as profoundly as it affected me. Fantastic. Now, aside from book four being the one with the fewest number in them, mm -hmm. you said they were randomly put together. There's no book one is this, book two is this. No, unfortunately, they're like scattered. So the different types are kind of scattered. Now, book four has a high concentration of psalms of what's called enthronement. Okay. And again, we'll cover that in class number five on this. But beyond that, there's not any particular... This is where you're going to find historical psalms, or this is where you're going to find psalms of praise, or this or is where here's you're... all of the psalms by this person. Yeah, no. It oh, that's fascinating. That way, I would be really fascinated to hear from biblical scholar and a Hebrew scholar as to why they suppose they were put in the order that they're put in. Not just that they dropped the pages of the manuscript and <laughs> this is the order that it's in now. Right, right. We're going with it. This is what it is. Dr. Lindbergh had a great point. And he's written several commentaries on the Psalms. And there are a few things like, even though each Psalm is kind of self-standing, if you're really curious and you feel like a Psalm either feels unfinished or something feels weird about it, go ahead and read the Psalm before and the Psalm after. Okay. And see what you can see from what's beside them. It doesn't mean that they were put beside each other on purpose, but sometimes in the mystery of the Spirit... They really do function together in some astounding ways. So again, as we step into this, I want to highlight the mystery and the activity of the Spirit through these. Don't be surprised when they can't be contained or controlled. And we're going to talk a lot about dissecting them almost, looking at them as bird in the pan, as Len Sweet talks about, putting them down on the page and tearing it apart. But they defy and they will hop up off that pan and fly into the air in a heartbeat mm -hmm. and take your spirit with it. So give it space. Now, we've talked about them in terms of poetry, mm -hmm. but they are actually songs, are they not? They are used as songs most often. And so historically within the Jewish tradition, to my understanding, they were always sung. Okay. And within the Christian tradition, we sing them sometimes. Yes. And we're going to cover, after we've kind of looked at all of this bird in a pan look, where we dissect and pull apart and talk about what's the anatomy of each different kind of psalm and how you can encounter them, we're going to spend our final podcast on setting them free and how do they function in our worship yep. and how do they function in our lives and how can we even create our own form or do we already sing along with them and not even know it, mm. different kind of modern psalms. So in that vein, then, as sort of an overview for what's coming, if each chapter is not specifically a type of psalm or written by a particular person, give me an understanding of how people tend to group them and how we're going to look at them going forward. We're going to look at them the way that Dr. Lindbergh breaks them out and many scholars break them out are kind of different pieces of functionality. Okay. So some of them are psalms of praise. And so you can guess the psalm of praise might have some alleluias in it. Okay. 
We're going to talk about psalms of lament, both individual lament and group lament or corporate lament. You can guess from the word lament, there might be some sad stuff in there. Sure. We're going to talk about educational psalms, psalms that are used to teach, enthronement psalms, psalms that talk about God being really awesome okay, and in charge. So we'll talk about each of those and then recognize some other patterns. So one of the patterns that I'll bring up kind of as the intro is to understand that the entire Psalter Mm -hmm. begins with a psalm of praise as Psalm number one and ends with a psalm of praise with Psalm 150. So it begins and ends with praise. Okay. But even beyond that, every single book in the Psalms does the same. Well, I kind of like that it ends on a high note. So we begin book one with a psalm of praise, and we end book one with 41, which is a psalm of praise. Okay. So each of the books begin and end with psalms and praise. So they're pretty common, and we're going to dig more into what does it look like to have a psalm of praise? How can you tell that is what it is? Fantastic. Okay, then back to the authorship If it's not written by one person, who did write them? Lots of people ascribe many of them to Psalms of David. Okay. The scripture says at the beginning, like at the top, it'll say a Psalm of David. And they prescribe it to King David having written it. We don't know. It's the same, right, as the Gospels that scholars will now say the Gospel writer of Mark. We don't know that it was a guy named Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Or an actual Apostle Mark. Right, exactly. We don't know that for sure. And so we don't know for sure that David wrote them. Can we attribute that to the personality of King David that we know of from the Holy Word? Well, yeah, we can maybe go there and we can maybe fit it into the story. But again, in the same way that sometimes the author of a poet, the specificity of the author doesn't necessarily matter because the poetry is always so much bigger than the author ever is. Okay. We can try to understand the Psalms as to who wrote them and how were they written, or we can just encounter the Psalms. And I think as much as I'm going to be telling you how to understand a Psalm, it's only so that you can encounter it. Okay. When I start to teach this, I should preface and say that I did not encounter the Psalms until this Psalms class. And I did not experience them as very meaningful in worship, and I did not experience them as helpful. They were kind of just weird. I liked the sonnets better anyway, (laughs) Um, coming from a Shakespearean background. And then 9-11-2001 happened Mm. while I was in seminary. And I don't know that I would have encountered the Psalms as powerfully had I not had the experience on September 11th, 2001, standing in our chapel reading Psalm 43 and the earth trembles and shakes and God is our fortress and our refuge, a mighty help in times of trial and God will make things right and swords will be beaten into plowshares and be still and know that I am God, right? If I had not encountered that Psalm in that powerful way, I don't know that my heart would be open to these the same way. And my Psalms class began in January, right? So September is when it happened. So by January, February, all the events that were happening in early 2002, 
And we dove into this in a country in mourning and a country newly at war. Mm -hmm. We may have been in war for the last 16 years, but we weren't before then. And in the midst of all of that was the first time that we were looking at these. And so it is with that backdrop that my heart was opened to encounter these and the opportunity to understand the power of a lament within that context, the opportunity to understand the power of viewing God as the one in charge instead of human, faulty, broken human beings as the one in charge. Those kinds of pieces, I think, when I lift the Psalms up to people, my prayer is not that you experience what we experienced at that point in history and that point in time, not that anyone ever experienced that kind of grief, but that in these moments of deep grief, in these moments where we are out of control, where we have real things to encounter and wrestle with, and we see it right now in our news every single day. Mm-hmm. These words have echoed through centuries and across continents and across generations and across faiths and across cultures and through millions of men and women and people who have encountered this and prayed the same hard words or words of hope or this is who we are. This is how we want to be. And this Psalter holds that core of human experience that defies all boundaries. And whatever emotion someone is feeling, you can find it represented in the Psalter. And in that, know that you're not alone. That's interesting. And it's incredibly powerful. So that's why I want to open it up. I mean, we don't often preach on the Psalms in our Sunday services. It's very rare that we preach on the Psalms. It's very rare that we spend time really encountering them. Well, and in my experience, having grown up, I don't remember them playing a very large role in the Catholic services. Mm -mm. It wasn't until I got into a Lutheran church and they were actually doing the chant tone thing Mm -hmm. where I'm like, well, that's different. Right. It'll be interesting for me to take a little closer look at something that I have heretofore kind of poo-pooed, glossed over. I'm excited to have you learning alongside of everyone. All right. Well, that leads us to our last question. Do you like them? Do you like the Psalms? Clearly, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I hadn't. I mean, I had not understood their power or what they were for until that class. I took the class just on a whim, and I was really down about the professor, please forgive me. But when a professor has you buy all of their own books, I'm like, oh, really? Seriously, mm-hmm. it could be one of these. And Dr. Lindbergh was just brilliant and warm and open and gave such practical opportunity for not just learning the Psalms, but encountering them. And it was probably one of the most spiritually powerful classes of my entire seminary career. And I came to love them because of that class. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Psalms as an intro. I look forward to sitting down with you for the next few weeks and talking about the Psalms specifically. As do I. And for those of you out there joining in this journey, choose a a number. Maybe pick up a die and and roll and see which book comes at you or choose book number four because it's the shortest 
and start that journal and encounter the Psalms with us. Until we are back with you next week on our first type of psalm, we would still love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. You can also talk to us on Facebook, share with us how you are encountering the psalms. It would be great to hear from you. Until we're back in your ear next week, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>